day, everybody. This is uh, Craig Copeland, Mayor for City Coal Lake, and uh, Kevin Nagoya, CAO for the City of Coal Lake. There's just the two of us. We we had a show four was with uh, Councillor Vining. It was a lot of fun. He uh, provides uh, a lot of knowledge, perspective, uh, uh, opinions. He's uh, one of uh, councillors uh, on councils. One of our councillors with uh, with a opinion uh, that uh, you know we want to hear. Uh, everybody on council, but certainly Chris uh, provides a lot of feedback on pretty much every issue. Yeah, we've scheduled another counselor for your uh, next podcast. Yeah, we'll do exact yeah. opposite of Chris. Yeah. We'll probably you know probably see if we can bring in Bob, uh, Councillor Buckle, and and uh, and let him have uh, fifteen minutes of talking about life in general. Right but, on. Uh, it's good. Uh, you know, lately, uh, last little while since our last uh, podcast, we had. Uh, a lot of um, interesting uh, stuff. We had the federal election and we had the provincial budget. So we're going to talk today a, a little bit of that and uh, and dive into the 2020 budget deliberations. But, uh, you know, Kevin, uh, thoughts on the federal election? Yeah, the colors on the map. Uh, interesting results uh, between uh, liberals and uh, the conservatives, right? Uh, I think, uh, you know, that shows a shows a lot of what uh, what Canada is right now or where Canada is on the in the political stream and some of the issues that are faced for the federal government for the for this next term right so yeah you know when Canada is very divided uh, that's the the issue with this election is uh, it, it's very divided country uh, politically and also uh, just what everybody's values are and what they believe in and uh, certainly the climate change has uh, overtaken politics in a, in a big way. And uh, certainly came to forefront on the election. You know what was really fascinating on the in the debates and that is nobody talked about the military. Nobody was talking about you know what how to uh, how to finance the uh, the military going forward. What is our going to be our policy? And you know for Cold Lake, uh, you know with the Air Force town we are, um, you know the Liberals, uh, a minority government, they're committed to a new fighter jet program, and uh, I think that one's going to be really important for for our area to ensure that uh, the feds uh, keep financing moving forward towards a, a fighter jet replacement program. Well, I think it's important for Cold Lakers to kind of keep an eye on that, where those discussions go with the federal government, because it, it is kind of a, it's a base of, uh, of, of the Cold Lake's economy, right? It's kind of what helps uh, Cold Lake from the low lows on the high highs, right? Is, is the, uh, is uh, the federal aspect of the community uh, decisions are, you know, right now, of course, the federal government is going through their tender process for the new platform for the uh, for the replacement fighter jet. But of course, there's no tender awards at this point, right? So they're going through that procurement process. Um, there's no guarantees right now that have been given to us on uh, timelines. Yeah. Um, there's been prospective timelines, but we know how federal politics works that these things can be delayed. There was, the, you know, it used to be the F-35 program and then it kind of got you know, kiboshed and changed and, and we're going through a procurement process and uh, whether that process can be delayed further, or those are a lot of unknowns right now. And, you know, the city of Cold Lake has raised concerns with the federal government and, uh, and at the time, uh, the defense uh, minister on, uh, you know, what are we looking at and what type of timeframes uh, in order to understand the uh, impacts to the Cold Lake economy. Yeah, Prime Minister Trudeau, I mean, it's fascinating to watch his cabinet, who he picks, um, but certainly, you uh, now that, uh, you know, Alberta and, and Saskatchewan is pretty much all blue, uh, it's going to be fascinating to see the ministers or liberal um, MPs coming out and visiting Alberta. I know it talks about the West having no representation. I think it's going to be important for for the Liberal Party to come out and visit these communities, visit Cold Lake. You know, when you look at a, 
at an area that contributes to the federal coffers. I mean, when you look at Fort McMurray, you look at the, the Lakeland area here. I mean, we're significant contributors. I think what has to happen, uh, you know, they relied on the MPs, Liberal MPs, last go around to uh, to be part of Alberta. I think it's going to be important that the, the minority government, uh, Liberal, come into our community and take a good hold of it. Uh, you know, we do know that uh, we expect a lot of the hangers to come down uh, on, on the wing starting maybe as early as next summer. That is going to inject, uh, talk was, what, a half a billion dollars worth of construction projects over the next few years uh, out on the wing. Uh, that will certainly help uh, our depressed economy. Yeah, the federal the federal minister there um, at the time when we were having that those conversations and concerns being raised about the economy in Alberta and uh, Cold Lake area was, you're right, the uh, the issue comes down to is those timelines were governed a little bit by the 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 the, the procurement of the uh, new uh, the new fighter program, the replacement program, um, and then once they once they have ascertained which uh, which platform they're going to go to, they know what the assets that need to be built out on the base. So, and you're right, the the quotes that were kind of given at the time in the conversation is a half a billion dollar of uh, uh, of investment of infrastructure that needs to go down now. And when you look at that, you know you have to have most of that infrastructure installed before the uh, the program or the platforms arrive, right? So most of that. Um, infrastructure needs to be installed and it needs to start a couple of years ahead of time um, in order to have that in place by the time the uh, the, the, the fighter arrives in, in Cold Lake. Yeah, and another big project that we'll be watching, of course, will be the, tr- the Trans Mountain Pipeline. And when we actually start seeing some digging, we, we know there's a lot of people in our area that are sitting at home right now that were supposed to be on that project and uh, have been, because it's been challenged again uh, in, in the court system, uh, you know, just these things just keep bogging the whole pipeline down. You know, I, I feel that uh, the Trans Mountain is going to get, it's going to start, you know, shovels will be happening and we'll get going on that. Our country desperately needs that pipeline. It's going to increase the capacity to the West Coast and out to uh, overseas. So we ship in oil. Have you been hearing from uh, local residents? I, you know, some calls have come in on uh, people that were mobilizing for the Trans Mountain project, but now have come home again. Yeah. Have you heard that? Uh, yeah, they're, they're at home right now. And of course, they're, you know, this is going to impact people. They're going to look for other work. And, uh, you know, that's such a, a big uh, work project. You know, you're talking about uh, being on that pipeline for over a year, year and a half. And, and we see what the water line just coming here, just a simple water line to Bonneville, how uh, a person can be on that job for a good year, year and a half and stay home with the family. You know, this job, you know, workers from our area going out to the Jasper area to work. And on the whole pipeline, I mean, it's going to employ so many people. And uh, in a time when when construction jobs are hard to get right now, you know, for for all the workers. So, uh, you know, it's tragic. You know, this country uh, has really, you know, I've said it before, has really lost itself in terms of, uh, you know, supporting the resource industry. Um, It employs so many people uh, across Canada. We saw the last big boom here in in the area in 2012-13. We had so many people from outside our area working here from Quebec. Uh, BC, I, I think we had all, all of Vancouver Island working here. And, uh, you know, a lot of people from uh, Quebec uh, working here when uh, JV Driver was in town. You yeah, know, these yeah. are the big projects, employ a lot of people. And, you know, good paychecks. Uh, you know, it, you know, you talk about, um, you know, good paying jobs. They're going to put money back into federal and provincial coffers. Yeah, the uh, you mentioned the uh, the Bonneville uh, the pipeline that's going in right now. It's about fifty percent completed. Uh, um, the contractor, in terms of that pipeline, it has uh, um, both provincial and federal funding that is uh, involved in that uh, project. And uh, you know, it's probably a good time, a good 
you know, good thing that the project was approved at its time is when you look at the provincial budget, uh, as, as you mentioned, uh, that a topic of conversation today is that uh, a lot of these programs are kind of shrink a little bit because of the kind of uh, the, the austerity programs that are in place in order to try to reduce some of the, uh, the expenditures of the provincial government in order to try to balance the budget in the next uh, three to five years. Well, that absolutely. And that's what's going to impact Coal Lake and all the municipalities is whatever the hit is going to be with MSI, whether it's 15 percent, 20 percent, I'm sure administration, uh, you guys will be letting us know how bad that number is for MSI next year. That's all going to be money that was going back into the community for projects. It's now not going to be available. And so uh, it's going to have a significant uh, impact on construction, especially in the big cities, Calgary and Edmonton. You know, their number's a lot bigger. Their their scale of projects is huge. Well, um, yeah, there's a movement for the, the, the big city charters to be changed, right? To so, be history. Yeah. Yeah, and then also the MSI for 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 city, for Cold Lake will probably have the to the tune of uh, um, over the next couple of years about a kind of a half a million dollars of uh, a clawback on that, right? Is that per year or yes, yeah, yeah. So yeah. That, that's significant money when we're probably about two point three two point four yeah. million dollars. So we're going to take a hit hit in the head, and uh, and so it's uh, you know government uh, provincial government spoken. They they certainly campaigned on it, yeah. and uh, you know and yeah. I think that's why you're seeing uh, very little in my opinion um, media pullback or you know pushback on the whole budget is because certainly Premier Kenny uh, and you know campaigned on a very things were going to be tough we had to get our fiscal house in order and so you're going to see less spend inside the uh, the city of Coal Lake for projects and uh, Everybody just have to hunker down. I think um, so. There's a question that was raised: was uh, MSI? That's the Municipal Sustainability Initiative. Um, it's a, a funding envelope that the provincial government provides municipalities um, on an annual basis for both operating dollars and capital dollars. Um, that program has been announced in the provincial government as to be kind of looks like terminate in the next couple of years and they're going to call it a new program and there's a funding envelope that is there sitting there in the provincial government in that in the budget binder um, in the budget book um, calling it a different program but uh, at this time there is no details on that new program in terms of what it's going to be and how it's going to be allocated so there may be other impacts to the to to the city of Cold Lake and municipalities on how those that funding will be uh, um, distributed. You know, one thing in the budget that, uh, you know, I'll, I'll say was disappointing was the fact that, uh, you know, we're going to probably be impacted by a little bit because we have provincial buildings, but they don't want to pay their fair share of property tax. Yes, and that was so an interesting announcement. They took a page out of the yes. feds and yeah. the federal government likes to do that here in Coal Lake. And so, uh, you know, it's unfortunate, you know, uh, government should be leading, should be leading uh, everybody. They should be the one that says, you know what, uh, the business community, uh, residents, you, we, we expect you to pay your 100% of your fair share. A couple share. of years ago, the, the, actually, the previous government kind of started this process because they uh, the stopped the, the payment in lieu of taxes or the, their property taxes for the uh, the low-income housing programs mm-hmm. at the provincial low-income uh, low housing programs. And then uh, now they're moving into a broader spectrum of all provincial buildings and whatnot, as you can see in that announcement, to try to, uh, to, to shave off the, uh, the budget expenditures. But you're right. In terms of the the city of Cold Lake aspect, is that the the federal government, the uh, you know the uh, um, PSPC uh, uh, Public Services and Procurement Canada um, also rake back the amount of uh, taxes that is paid for federal properties to the city of Cold Lake. So now the city of Cold Lake is being hit by both the provincial government and the federal government now. Yeah, on this can issue. you imagine if residents said, "Hey, you know what? 
you just assessed my house at 300000 but I'm only going to pay you for two fifty. You know, we have ways of of dealing with the residents on that. Two fifty zero. Yeah, zero. And and <laughs> yeah. you know exactly. And so, you know, government should be leading and not uh, not finding ways to uh, to cut uh, that make zero sense. And uh, I realize that uh, the province is saying they don't have much money right now and they have to scale back, but at, at the expense of the municipalities and. Uh, you know, that we don't allow the business community or, or the residents to say that to us, where we say, well, you know, we've got, we know we've got people unemployed in Coal Lake and they could say to us, you know, I can't afford my mortgage. I can't afford this property tax notice. Can you change my assessment to zero or to a hundred thousand? So I, I really have all the things in the budget to me. I thought that was, that was uh, the one that I totally disagree with, with the philosophy. I think government, sh- uh, feds and provincials should be paying their, their assessed value of what the assessed property should be, is assessed at, and that's your, your taxes you're paying. From our side, we don't have a full appreciation for the city of Cold Lake on how much that's going to impact the revenue side. I know from the announcement that happened uh, last week, we are doing that analysis. We do have a few uh, provincial properties that are in town. Um, but, you know, your biggest hit is your big centers, right? Edmonton's uh, getting yeah, hammered. Edmonton's, yeah, they've got some some big assets up there. But uh, Cold Lake has always been, our, our big one is the federal properties yeah. for us, right? And uh, and also the low-income housing. Yeah, and you're still providing services to this. Uh, and, and it's about uh, the greater good of the community. And uh, you, uh, the provincial buildings, federal buildings, uh, their lands are part of the greater good of the community. And, and, and you have to play. And it's unfortunate. I mean, so the provincial budget will more than likely, uh, we, we see that the FCSS, uh, police funding will be stable. Uh, we'll we'll see well, when the numbers. Funding has some changes in it too, right? And then, like we talked, others about, are going to pay. Yeah, yeah. Look, sounds like more. All the uh, everyone has to pay, and which is and we'll a good step forward. Uh, of course, that legislation hasn't passed yet, but uh, they were in consultation stage on that one there. But uh, um, so yeah, at least the and, and the social programs in terms of the FCSS side, everything looks like it's staying about uh, um, status quo uh, for the time being on that side. So we know that MSI is going to affect our operating and our capital side. Yeah. And so getting into the 2020 budget uh, deliberations, we're going to start start them in the, in November, probably later in November. Uh, we're going to start out later this year than, than normal. We've already talked about service levels. Uh, we reviewed the service levels at, at a council meeting and we had a few tweaks. But, you know, the thing about our council um, is we've been together for a long time. And uh, so I think... Uh, you know, the service levels, it's kind of a rehash. Does anybody want to uh, make any kind of slight tweaks or changes? And so we've had that discussion. You guys, uh, your staff have met and have built the budget uh, and uh, it'll come in front of council uh, sometime in November. What's really nice about the service levels is, you know, you know, it's uh, a lot of the uh, communities, uh, you know, throughout Alberta, there's a number of them that have uh, really uh, put eyes on the city of Cold Lake's process of the, the budgeting process, right? And uh, the service level process being uh, a significant part of that is a having a discussion between administration and uh, mayor and council about the programs and services that are delivered but for the community by the municipality and no dollars being attached to that right at the forefront just talk about the programs are these programs meeting the needs of the community um, are the services meeting the community do they want more or less of that uh, of those service levels um, and in the very aspects right and that goes right down to the hours of operation for the energy center um, hours of operation for your rinks uh, 
um, the hours of operation for the Parent Link Center and FCSS. Uh, you know, that's that's all in there, and what programs are delivered within those in those envelopes, right? The various the counseling programs, the you know the the mom and tots programs, and the, everything that's uh, in the in those various uh, areas to make snow sure depth. snow depth, snow yeah. depth. Yes, well, deciding it looks like there's decide, white outside. Deciding as yeah. a counselor when uh, what level of service based on the the depth of snow. I mean. Uh, if you would have told me when I got into this business, I'd be deciding that kind of stuff. Uh, that's hilarious. But, uh, you know, just uh, figuring out which roads are going to be a priority. We have uh, priority one to five. Yes. And, of course, uh, Highway 28 is the, the priority number one. Uh, that's why you see the plows out there uh, right away when the snow falls, putting sand on there. And then, of course, out in a resident is priority five. And everybody, more or less, in the residential districts are treated fairly. We sort of man up uh, north and south at the same time. Yeah, there's uh, two crews, right? One is uh, internally used resources, but uh, um, in order to top that off, instead of having two internal resources, we also have contracted services that also have a plow crew and a, a snow clearing crew as well, yeah, graders good, and whatnot. good for the so, private sector because, yeah. you know, uh, work in the wintertime can be tough. And so we farm that out. And, uh, you know, the city does, uh, we get some hits, you know, on, on some of the stuff that we might take over from the contracted services, but... By and large, uh, you guys sort of look at it from a cost perspective. City forces doing the work versus the contractor, and when costs get out of you know escalate past what city staff could do it for, we we bring it back to council for a decision. Yeah, the uh, you know s- service levels in the uh, snow removal program is a great example of bo- budget implications, right? So if um, you can understand that you have prior, if you make the entire community a priority number one, that you're always going to be removing the snow, trying to keep it to a bare pavement standard all the time. You know, well, first of all, you don't have enough internal resources to do that. You'll have to have uh, probably for the most part external resources being backing that up to go and do that, and uh, and the costs associated with that will be tremendous and so it's about managing uh, how much budget council wants to allocate to these cost centers and uh, to maintain those service levels based on trending and how much does it take to remove that snow um, in your service levels you, yeah you're right priority one through five uh, you know your priority one is all your major arteries of the city right uh, your highway your your and your airport as well is a priority number one to get open um, and then your downtown commercial we've changed that a few times over the last couple of years and uh, so that way they can you know now you'll notice that and the business community is really like that is is that if there's a major snowfall um they get out there if that snow is uh, pretty much done by about one or two o'clock in the morning they're generally 90 percent of the times they're going to do it right and get it done that that very night almost sometimes we get some comments back from the commercial business it's so done so quickly now that it's uh the sidewalks aren't done and they start shoveling the sidewalks onto the road and <laughs> not and then because yeah, we yeah. don't do the sidewalks on the commercial we don't do any sidewalks in the uh in the uh in the community at this time yeah, yeah. do we do our own our own when we own land like by be it by a park do we clear the sidewalks on that yes yes but not, not yeah. downtown commercial. yeah um those are programs that council has requested for uh more clarity on uh, because we do not have a clear policy on that one and uh in the next month uh, there's actually a policy coming to council for those services uh to to set the standard for those areas but when it comes down generally though and it's going to adopt the uh, the same uh uh, service as uh, or expectation as residential and commercial areas is is that there's 48 hours after a snow event 
um, we do ask residents to clear the snow in front of their homes um, on those sidewalks within 48 hours. I, you know, one of the ch- we do get a lot of um, residents raise concerns with the city on you know neighbors not doing it, and uh, people are finding it very slippery, and it starts to ice up when it melts and freezes um, without the the snow being cleared. So you know, we do ask every resident to look after their areas in front of their properties to to that area. You know, some areas is quite you know you, you know I know where I live that they have uh, a quad that drives around and does pretty much you know half the neighborhood right so um you do those are great that. neighbors so, to have great neighbors to have in the <laughs> and thank you to those neighbors that uh, that do that but uh yeah we do ask that of the residents and we do send out reminders uh we do we don't like to enforce and and go in there we like to educate first before we go out there with enforcement but uh you know when uh, a resident raises his concerns uh, we do uh, we do follow up yeah the there wasn't many significant changes on the service level this year um the budget, of course, will more than likely uh, last few years. We've done almost like a zero, maybe a little bit slight uh, tax increase. But by and large, uh, for the last many years, we've kept it pretty flat. We treat everybody equally. So uh, whether you're a resident or downtown commercial, if we're going to do a 1% tax increase, we do it uh, across the board for all businesses and, and residents. That's how we've we've worked. I know there's a lot of uh, noise out there about the city of Calgary right now and on the uh, differential between uh commercial and residential, we've got a good, uh, we're under 100%. So the, the difference between the mill rates, uh, we're, we're, you know, really tight. I, I would say, you know, we're well under the 100%, which, uh, you know, I think we're, we're, we're in a good spot there. Council can look at the mill rates to see if they want to readjust. That's our prerogative. But basically how it works is, uh, you know, uh, when we start the budget deliberations, we see what each program area is going to cost, uh, revenue coming in, expenses. And then we have sort of a, over the years, councillors might have brought forward some new initiatives, and so have that part of the the, uh, the budget process. In the end, uh, you know, it's I think it won't surprise me that this year is going to be a no frills type of budget. Um, you know, we're not expecting uh, anything real dramatic on the capital side. We we know that uh, there'll be less money, but uh, the uh, police uh, RCMP station uh, thoughts on that one, Kevin. Going forward, we know that we're going to build a new building, but we we have some time on that one. Well, in order to bring uh, lift that type of uh, facility up, it'll take a couple of years, 18 months, uh, probably in terms of engineering and uh, consultation processes with uh, the RCMP. Um, so I would anticipate at least an 18-month design and probably an 18-month build. So we're probably about a, about three years away of, uh, of having a new build being completed for that. Um, council has uh, signaled its commitment to move forward on that. Of course, we had the uh, renovations come in front of council um, in order to start the expansion process. And, you know, we did have a master plan associated with that. Um, but with the new kind of design requirements and the new federal changes in terms of some of the uh, um, design requirements of facilities for the RCMP, um, there's been a, a signal to change because of the existing facility it won't accommodate many of the new, even in a renovation. So we're going to move forward with that council signal to move forward on a new on a new build and i think it's a good uh it's a good plan for council the um you know thinking long term about uh you know this is uh, the biggest urban center in northeastern alberta right so um i think uh, the city should position itself in order to be uh looking at uh, in that view of many of the programs that are service uh that are looking at for uh for crime prevention and etc so yeah. and, and we're gonna look at whether or not the, the new building can fit on the existing piece of property that the build the RCM the current location is at or we'll look at uh, another piece of property preferably in Coal Lake South and uh, 
over time. But the idea is probably try to get the construction going within maybe two years. So do would we need to put more money into the pot uh, for funding of a new station? Yes. Yeah. Generally speaking, you've funded right now about three million dollars of the uh, of that of the new renovation um, project. But uh, with a change of gears, that we're talking a, a, a significant bigger number, probably around that 10, 11 million dollars to to fund the uh, a new build. Um, and basically, it just comes down to a, as, as as council knows, there's a price per dollar per square foot of building these facilities, and it's 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 pretty much simple as that. Um, the location will need to be uh, need to be picked. Um, but remember, when you look at a facility like this, it's also funded by um, the provincial government. So there's a municipal component. So the city of the, out of the RCMP or all the members that exist in that facility, um, some of them are funded by the municipality. Um, and some of them are funded by the provincial contract on behalf of the 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 rural and other other municipalities in the area. So when you look at those splits, um, the provincial government will pay capital recovery and rental back to the municipality for the those provincial aspects of the uh, of those uh, of those facilities. So you're thinking that we could borrow money and maybe the rent would offset the mortgage payment? That's correct. Yeah. Uh, yeah that's a good strategy. Part, yeah. I mean, we've got so many projects. Uh, another big project that we know of is Lakeshore Drive. Oh, that's a big one. Uh, council just went through their consultation process. Yeah, there's, great, there's great an, uh, yeah, there's an, yeah, there's an online uh, questionnaire that's uh, going through. So there's going to be further public consultation on the uh, on the design, right? Looking at one ways, uh, partial runways down on Lakeshore Drive, a um, lot of uh, walking trails. So uh, an aesthetic. It's not only just replacement of infrastructure down there, but it's an aesthetic replacement as well um, for to make improvements down there. You you know we've done a lot of great things to that uh, First Avenue beside the canoe. Beach, and you can see how the community. It was prior to those improvements. It wasn't, you know, you. The, in other words, to see the amount of people walking down there just just because of the atmosphere has changed, and uh, I think we want to bring that through to the marina area and uh, and enhance the the walking trails in that area. So you saw the presentation, and uh, of course uh, those uh, those will now move to the public consultation processes on some various options of how Lakeshore Drive can be configured. Yeah, so that right now we're doing engineering drawing, but that'll be a big, big capital project, probably over ten million. Oh, ten to fifteen million dollars, right? Wow. Uh, um, your your big numbers are also because the underground infrastructure just needs to be replaced. It's way beyond its life cycle. So not only are you going after the road and the sidewalks, is is that you have to go under the under the ground and go after the water and uh, wastewater and storm sewers that are down there. And you know those sto- those wastewater uh, the the sanitary sewers down there are clay tile. Is and uh, they're they're getting in pretty poor condition. You know, if you're going to go build that road, I imagine it will probably crush a bunch of that. So you have to go down there and do everything. Right. Yeah. Another uh, project uh, that was deferred uh, because of the bidding or whatever, but uh, Coal Lake South Cemetery. The uh, we move move money over to to do Lakeview, but uh, thought, will the Coal Lake South Cemetery come back in in this budget cycle? Yeah, we'll have to have some top-up funding on that one. It did come in over budget. Unfortunately, we only had one bidder. Um, The Lakeview Cemetery, which is going right now, um, that was tendered two years ago and only one bidder. Uh, this last year, uh, this current year, we uh, 2019, we got two bidders on that one, and we're able to bring that project together and launch it. So it's it's under construction right now. I think there's some wonderful uh, aesthetic improvements, and I think it's going to be a, a very positive uh, um, facelift to that uh, yeah. to that cemetery. But the uh, being that the south, it only received one bidder. I think we need to kind of uh, make some changes and make it more competitive in order to get some more uh, some some better numbers for that. 
Yeah. And then Humane Society, where where are we at with that uh, project? Uh, well, council budgeted the re- replacement of the uh, the animal shelter, calling it an intake facility. Um, you know, we do have some big numbers um, of amount of animals that are coming into the community and being dropped off at the uh, Lakeland Humane Society and the intake center that's there right now. Um, so we're looking for that to be launched in the spring. We're under design right now. I think we're probably around 60 to 70% there. Um, so we hope to uh, have a tender ready this uh uh, this winter. Right on. No, it's exciting. I mean, um, budget time is always uh, a lot of fun to try to see where program spending is, is going right now. What What's fascinating, the marina, when you look at the operating budget, uh, the marina has really uh, come in and almost is uh, 100% cost recovery. So it, it's it's doing well uh, on the monthly updates. Uh, the marina, I, I see the differential between how much it costs us to run the marina versus uh, expenses uh, or revenue coming in. Uh, it's really tightened up over the years. The city forces took it over this year, and, uh, and we're selling the fuel. Uh, and, I, and it was probably one of the worst summers weather-wise uh, in, in Coal Lake history in a long, long time. So uh, new, f- new fuel system down there. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's it's really yeah. uh, good. The staff did a great job down there. And, uh, you know, hopefully that we'll be allowed Are to Are you cut. filling up with premium down there, sir? Yeah, yeah. Finally, you guys got some premium in there. But, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, one thing we got to work on, of course, is to try to get to the allowance to cut the weeds uh, at least twice a year. We're, we're only allowed to cut the weeds uh, by the feds, I think it is, uh, once a year. But certainly cutting the weeds... Uh, uh, because there's not a lot of moving water in the marina, uh, it does sort of have a lot of stag- stagnant water. Well, the water warms up, right? And warms and, up, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. And weed growth really takes off. And we've got a lot of fancy boats in there and the sailboats, and they get caught in the weeds. So hopefully we can figure a way to cut the weeds twice a year. Would well, be a couple wonderful. a couple things that are I think are going to uh, be positive on the move forward is, is one is that uh, this, this year um, we had an approval to dredge the marina. Um, and that it was approved by, uh, by environment. The issue is the cost associated because the amount of water that's in there and then how do you extract the water from the soils that you'll be uh, dredging out of there um, was coming in at a significant cost. Um, this next year, we're going to, uh, the, the person that cuts the weeds actually has a new piece of equipment that allows us to dredge and, uh, utilizing, uh, and then utilizing geotubes to separate, uh, um, the fines that are coming out and the water to return it back to the, back to Cold Lake. It's, um, so we're going to actually bring him in for a demo, get the approvals and try this out and, uh, and, and, and we'll be able to establish, I think a much better number. If you dredge that, uh, uh the Marina, I think there's going to be a lot of positive because it's right now it's also being filled up with, uh, with silt in there. There's a lot of silt. Oh, in yeah. that, uh, so is that uh, a, some open water season type of project? Well, what we'd have to try to do is target with is, is right, um, when the spring breakup happens and, uh, the ice just comes off before the, uh, uh, the boats go in and uh, do it at that time. Oh, well, yeah. Cool. That's great. Yeah. Well, you're learning something all the time when you do a podcast. So it's, <laughs> you know, the budget, uh, hopefully you have a budget passed by the second Tuesday in December. We have to pass a budget uh, by year end and that's our goal. Uh, we'll see how things go. Uh, we also have to do a long-term planning uh, with the, uh, with passing uh, three, was it three or three well, or five year capital? The, the new legislation for the provincial government included, uh, you have to pass a one year budget for your operating plus a three year forecast. So that way you can show your residents what you're kind of looking at for the next uh, three years. It's, it's not a hard and fast that you have to stick to those plans, 
but um, it allows some opportunity to hold or requirement to hold some contingencies within the various uh, uh, funding areas. If there's if there's significant changes or swings in expenses or revenues, um, that uh, planning is allowed to be uh, had between those areas. And uh, you know, generally speaking, Cold Lake has already been doing this in the uh, in your financial outlook because you've been working on a ten year fi- financial forecast already. So this actually isn't too much. You're, all you're doing is basically adding um, a little bit more detail to those additional three years outlooks than what we do in our forecasting and your 10-year financial forecasting you're probably less than 0.01% off your target from three years ago of what you anticipated for uh, expenses and uh, and changes in programs and services that are being outlooked currently today so um, it's worked quite well so I do your and then your also your capital is also a a one plus five year but in your financial plan you already do a 10-year outlook as well so right now you have a a 10-year uh, 10-year operating and capital outlook, and you also have a 25-year um, uh, operating plan and capital outlook as well. And uh, we did that for the annexation um, requirements for submission. The province just wanted to make sure we felt comfortable with the uh, long-term look of the city of Cold Lake as well. Yeah, we, you know, service levels, uh, you know, tie in also like how much cost recovery we want on water, garbage, recycle, sewer. And so basically those programs, we always try to run them at 100% cost recovery. Yep. And then if we have to do major capital, then they're part of our capital list where we pull from from other funds, uh, you know, or the debt payment. Is is that tied into operating too? If we do a major uh, if project? De- if debt payment is, uh, if debt is taken, it is tied into the operating. But if you're utilizing um, capital cash, um, no, it's not. And and grants, that's not tied into the uh, to the operating fund at all. Yeah. So yeah. Cold Lake is basically more or less 15,000 people, last census we did. And, uh, you know, we collect about 21 million, I think it is, in property tax from uh, mostly residential and, uh, and commercial. And then, of course, uh, uh, your user fees, so your water, sewers, all plugged into the to budget. So, you know, your, your operating budget, I think, is around in the 30 some odd million dollar range, I believe. And then, of course, you got your capital budget that will have other funding sources and, uh you know, the of course uh, the ID three forty nine is a famous uh, funding. Um, that is uh, industrial taxes. That's on the air weapons range. That D and D allows uh, the oil companies to go out there and uh, and go on the lease uh, and extract oil. We also have major pipelines that go through the uh, air weapons range from the Fort McMurray area, bringing oil down through the the range. And then going to say the Lacory terminal from there goes to Edmonton and then or down to Hardesty. But those linear and ME taxes are flowing to the city of Coal Lake on an agreement that uh, we, we uh, uh, managed to do back in 2011. They've significantly allowed the city to have that extra thousand dollars per capita of extra spend. And it really is, we've put all, every single penny into infrastructure or projects in the city and allowed us to really. Uh, build up their big, huge infrastructure deficit, take care of some of that. We still got some major projects like Highway 28. We know that we've got to go from the, the uh, sort of the Jester's area all the way up to uh, the uh, the landfill. In yeah, terms your of, infrastructure uh, 20, backlog is still to the tune of $150 million, yeah. right? And so, so if the if 349 is, is tweaked or played with uh, by the provincial government, it's going to have, again, a long-lasting compounding effect where projects are just going to get deferred. We know that, uh, you know, organizations like uh, gymnastics and Pirouette School of Dance, the cheer force people, they all have, have sort of been waiting for the city to build the next phase over at the energy center. 
and just said, hey, you know what? Uh, we don't see it in the cards right now at the city and have taken matters in their own hands and are leasing space and have moved their business, you know, their organizations into these into these buildings, which is great for the city. It buys us a little bit of time, but we know that, you know, we've got big recreation projects that uh, this is what your community wants. The community wants to see, uh, you know, quality of life is so critical. And, and we know that we've keep deferring the aquatic center. Nobody, nobody wants to talk about this, the aquatic center, but certainly the aquatic center, gymnastics, dance. Yeah, it, keeps, it, it keeps it keeps sitting in your fi- in your ten year capital plan, but uh, you can't the, afford the, it. It's a question of how does it get funded. I know exactly. you, I, you know we do get a lot of asks from the uh, from the community on when the city code they can move forward with that. Uh, um, you know, right now the responses right now is is that you know councils is is three years into its uh, its financial plan. Um, it does need to be uh, updated, so council is going to be looking at that this fall and uh, this winter to update that. I'm anticipating that we're going to public in January, February with uh, public consultation with the uh, with the financial investment strategy and the capital outlook for the city and to to get public feedback on that. Yeah, I think it's a great idea. I mean, I think we're going to go to the public uh, this winter mm-hmm. for those non snowbirds that. Uh, that are in Cold Lake for the uh, for the winter. We're going to have a couple of open houses. That that'll be one of them for sure. Is to sort of sort of give a, a debrief to the community. We haven't gone to the community in a while. Yeah, and just say, hey, this is where we're at, and it's a good time. You know, it's halfway uh, past our t- term on council, and of course, the other one that's going to be is we plan on uh, eventually having a open house community on all of the MR the municipal, municipal reserves, the municipal and reserves, the environmental reserves, a, and yeah, which yeah. is a. Um, an interesting topic um, that is a big discussion, certainly along the lakeshore. But we have MR all throughout the community. Yeah, some environmental them, reserves, uh, municipal reserves, and then also public utility lots, right, that are yeah. that are out there. So yeah. council has decided that, uh, you know what, uh, yeah, the lakeshore was sort of the, 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 the initial uh, spotlight. But, uh, you know, we're going to treat uh, the whole community as one and, and, and have a big uh, open house. And... Uh, and and have a broad topic and uh, on uh, on at least MR for sure. Yeah, well the the uh, the, the intent was is that uh, of course we receive uh, some concerns and and the province has approached us as well on uh, you know what's happening with because the, the province's interest in this is that if anything is public lands and when I say public lands that's not municipal public lands that's provincial public crown land, right? And, uh, you know, those are generally areas that are like bed and shore of the lake and stuff like that, that, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's being usage or modifications or things that are being put on these public lands. And, um, between that and, uh, and the usage of environmental and municipal reserves has generated the question on, uh, you know, the city of Cold Lake maybe taking a policy approach and, and consultation of what to do on a, uh, on a move forward basis for any encroachments as we're calling them on these uh, and the utilizations of these of these various lands and you know it ranges anywhere from like you said uh, areas that are along the lakeshore which is uh, you know the, the concerns being raised but more broader question about how are they being dealt with throughout the community because you have you know some of the park areas that are um, that are municipal reserves but uh, you know a resident may have fenced it in for their use 
And, uh, you know, the question is, how should we handle that in policy approach? Does the city of Quebec need those lands? Some, in some aspects, these lands could be surplus. In some pl- aspects of these, uh, you know, they're not surplus. So, therefore, maybe we have to look at a licensed usership. And some aspects might be, uh, you know, we have to remove the, remove uh, certain assets in order to make the, to, to, to comply with the legislation. But I think there's a there's a mixture of solutions and uh, and opportunities to look at from a policy approach. Yeah, I think it's going to be a big, uh, a big task, but I think, you know, it's long overdue and uh, we'll put some resources to it, but we're going to take our time and not be, uh, not be rushed to, uh, to, you know, jump in really hard and fast and, and regret some decisions. And certainly the landowners that, that affect, uh, whether it's your, your fence that right now is on city MR, but everybody wants, you know, we're going to have discussions with all the residents, but we're first going to have a community open house, get some feedback and then uh, start working with the actual residents that have been uh, impacted. There's a lot of uh, open houses and, you know, or call them town halls or whatever you want to name them, uh, because we also have the wayfinding sign program that's coming up as well. So there's another uh, community engagement process for, you know, those old wayfinding signs that you'll see uh, kind of on the edge of the road. They're silver, green, and blue in color. They're a little, they're really aged out, and they don't really complement and aesthetically look well for the city. The new signs for all the parks are being replaced um, with something really aesthetic. They're really nice looking and utilizing that same theme moving into a new wayfinding sign program so we are going through the the program has been kind of uh, tentatively drafted and it's going through consultation right now uh, between our various partners and then also going out to the public for consultation in the uh, in the coming uh, coming weeks as well I think we're hoping that one there is going to go before Christmas yeah one of the big signs that uh, will be important is the museum we, we heard that you know we you know part of the wayfinding having a museum the museum uh, group came in front of us uh, you know, showed off the the new dome, and the dome was a was a big project that they lifted off the ground with the help from the wing, of course, and and uh, and all the volunteers, and, and that certainly is uh, quite impressive out up in the museum. The museum is a hidden gem up there. It's a it's a vista is amazing the view, and of course they their next project is a observation tower. So that uh that could be quite quite exciting. It didn't sound like they can get high enough to see the lake, but yeah, maybe maybe interesting. Yeah, yeah, that hill that's uh in Cold Lake North is uh, pretty high. It'd be I, I want to see that on paper. That's an interesting uh, stats that they were giving us. That, yeah, they flew uh, a drone yeah, uh, yeah, up to there to, s- to verify how high it needed to go in order but, to see. Yeah. You know, I think when the bike park, uh, we've heard a lot of good early feedback on the trails being designed by uh, by the bike park and then the, the road getting enhanced a bit. I think, you know, that whole area is really going to take shape. And of course, um, one of the big capital projects that the city is uh, long overdue. Is Partially the, funded. Is the public workshop. Yeah, yeah. Is the public workshop, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, for those that have seen the public workshop on 16th Avenue, it's uh it's a it's a tired tired building and uh, and, and council's got a little bit of money set aside to uh, start working on that project. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's going to be uh, right now uh, has been uh, scheduled for that 69th Avenue area down at the bottom of the hill of uh, the museum uh, museum area. Long overdue to uh, to um, to support uh, them, and so you know one of the guys that uh, work for Public Works and unfortunately has passed away was Al Jeffrey, and uh, you know. Um, you know, have the pleasure of, uh, as mayor, knowing a lot of the staff, and certainly Al was a pleasure to always uh, talk to, and uh, you know he's going to be dearly missed. And we just, uh, you know, wish family all the best, and uh, we're thinking of of you. But uh, you know, Al was certainly a, 
uh, a very loyal city of Colake employee. Yeah, Word very committed long, and longtime employee. Yeah, yeah. So all our all our best to the Jeffries family and. Uh, and we're going to certainly miss him and, uh, and his enthusiasm for working for the city. And, um, you know, we're talking about some of the work the city staff do. It goes, uh, uh, you know, you know, working the grader two in the morning or, or doing that sewer dig, uh, you know, busted pipe uh, on somebody's front lawn or on the street there, you know, three in the morning, 35 below. I mean, it's uh, pretty tough, uh, some of the tasks we put our employees uh, at. And, uh, you know, we just, uh, on behalf of the city and council, just appreciate uh, all the work they do. Well, I think that's it for our, our podcast today. And uh, we're, we'll try to bring in Councillor Buckle for our next show and try to liven it up and uh, maybe get into politics a little bit, uh, maybe more deeper with, with Bob. But uh, anyways, if you want to give us any feedback on our shows, uh, just email us at the City of Lake and we'll we'll gratefully uh, take your advice on uh, future topics. Yeah, anything that the, uh, that uh, our listeners listeners are uh, have on the top of mind, uh um, email city at codelake.com and uh, you know we can definitely have it uh, included in the in the show and uh, and answer some of those questions uh, you know we definitely open and uh, and as you can see we'll, we'll sit there and talk about it to in depth and uh, and and then see how we can uh, uh, best help those uh, issues city cold lake uh, santa claus parade he i'm sure santa doesn't need any wayfinding signs but uh, that'll be at the end of the month and get your float in and it's always a great uh, a great time, the Santa Claus Parade. Yeah, well, Halloween's coming up. Halloween, that's right. Uh, of course, Colic doesn't have a curfew. And uh, on the 31st, we know no curfew. And no other curfew. communities do have a curfew. But, you know, I encourage to uh, maybe shut your lights off if you don't want any kids at 9 o'clock at night. But uh, certainly, uh, we've always get that question, why don't we have a curfew? But uh, we've never really enforced it. Certain areas of Cold Lake will only get 25 kids, and then others just massive amounts. Yeah, we get lots of kids up there. You, yeah, you really great. appreciate how many young people we have yeah, in the community. That, it shows, right? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, how young the community is. And it's exactly a parade, right. giving out candy, and then Halloween. I, I think, who does that tell us about our young kids? They like candy, so there you go. That's right. 